Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Poucher, the COO of KLogix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice on the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Today, we're joined by Dave Ledoux, Vice President of Technology Services at Nizoni Health, the largest home healthcare provider in Massachusetts. In this episode, we'll be discussing the controversial topic of zero trust from Dave's perspective. Hi, Dave. Welcome to our podcast. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the show. Our pleasure. So why don't we start, Dave, give us brief, uh, brief walk down memory lane in terms of what, you know, what brought you to the current role at Nizoni Health as VP? Sure. So I've got kind of a mixed background of both client-facing support and internal employee-facing support, um, which I kind of approach in the same way at a, from a customer service angle. And um, going through a number of uh, large enterprise companies um, and, and finishing at a, in a late-stage startup with Okta, ultimately I ended up in, in the healthcare space in Boston, which is kind of a healthcare hub of, of this particular country. And it's, it's been it's been a great journey to see both sides of the country. Um, I think I'm drawn to water. Yeah. Either shore appeals to me. So now did you go from, let's say, if I look at the background, some more of a technical role, and now you've morphed into more of a business-minded role? Would that be accurate? I have. I have, yeah. I've, I've moved up into uh, into an officer role in this particular position, and so that keeps my, my eye very closely on on the numbers every day. You know, operationally, of course, I'm still in charge of, of the technical side, but it always has to lean towards how does it benefit the business. And that's hard to do. I, I find that most people, well, not most people, but many people struggle with that transition. Um, any sort of advice you'd give people looking to make the transition from more of a technical role to more of a business-minded role? Uh, I think the advice that, that I can share is to, is to foster and build trusted teams and so that operationally you can lift yourself up high enough to see across many departments. I think it's, it's, it's too easy to get trapped into uh, one informational or departmental silo, and that's always going to cap your advancement as far as pursuing, um, you know, a, a very high-level position where you can oversee many aspects of the business. So I, I think trusting a team and, and building a team is probably my best advice. Okay. Uh, so let's get into the topic. So zero trust is what we're here to talk about. Uh, we've been hearing the word for a while now. I, I think it was coined, I want to say, maybe in 2010, so about 10 years ago. But more recently, it's it's made its way into mainstream security. You know, I know out, even at RSA, I was at an RSA right before COVID hit, and we interviewed a whole bunch of CISOs, and zero trust was one of the buzzwords that came out of almost everybody's mouth. Um, but before we go into that, let's, you know, there's a lot of controversy, or I should say confusion around zero trust, because it has so many different definitions. So maybe you can tell us what zero trust means to you. Define zero trust just to give us some context. Sure, sure. You might be slightly off. I think 2009 could be the genesis, <laughs> um, if I can challenge you on the facts. But for me, zero trust means trusting the user, mm -hmm. irrespective of location. I think the former kind of um, castle and moat model meant that um, we have our fortress. It's this location inside here we can control things and trust people. 
Whereas now the notion of someone being in any specific place under a corporate control, um, especially in light of the last six months or so, I think is, is well out the window. And so credentialing um, the person wherever they go is, is where zero trust kind of hits the road for me. That, that's how I define it. Okay, perfect. So are you, so in your role right now at Nizoni, where, where is the organization at in terms of zero trust and are you leading some of those efforts? I am, I am. We have taken um, uh, quite a journey in the last couple of years. Um, I arrived into a home healthcare environment, which mm-hmm. um, I'm not even sure if we trusted anything, meaning I think we kind of just let everyone in. Um, we had disparate on-prem systems. We had a, a couple of cloud platforms, which were very underutilized. And and ultimately, I had the, the kind of great opportunity to to blank slate, um, imagine how I would do it. And so um, the great news is, and we kind of got lucky with timing, considering how this year has gone, is that um, we are fully cloud-based. We are kind of late stage two zero trust. Um, and, and all of that for me pivots through, um, through Okta as my primary gateway to identity access management. Hmm. So when you, so you, you mentioned having a clean slate. So what was the first thing you did to initiate the zero trust program? Like what, where do you, where did you start? So for me, it, it was, it was to put Okta in place, right? So mm-hmm. the only way for me to securely um, credential all of my users and to, to have um, MFA for everything. Um, Okta happens to have adaptive MFA, which is kind of nice. I have geofencing that also understands things like um, you can't be logged in from both Nigeria and Boston at the same time. That's impossible, right? That's mm-hmm. the Superman principle. And so, and so having that flexibility and, the, and that dynamic capacity to credential my users um, with multi-factor was my first and most important step um, towards zero trust. And the important facet of Okta for me was that it has uh, the largest application store. So the Okta application network um, allows me to plug in to the most possible other cloud platforms. And that way I had the highest ceiling um, you know, to, to reach for as I, as I brought in my other cloud apps behind Okta. So for you, it, it really starts with identity. It does. It does. Um, for, for zero trust um, to work, and for, um, for my particular application to work, it, it starts and almost ends with identity. I mean, there's, you, you can kind of layer your identity because you've got people that should have more privilege than others. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the higher your privilege goes, the more you need to pay attention to those people. So if, if you have someone who has access to, let's say, your core web server, Right. They they need to have far more sensitive controls around their time in that particular location, where they're allowed to come in, how they're allowed to come in and what factors you put in front of them to credential them properly. Whereas someone who's maybe just accessing um, uh, an open policy of a Word document for how to take PTO, you could have a pretty loose gateway on that where you really just want to make sure they are an active employee. And they should be able to get into your document management platform, right? Pretty, pretty low bar there. So did you, was it challenging to get executive buy-in to push forward with that program? It was in the sense that the cost is very real. 
um, you know, to go from something that um, I'm making air quotes just works in their mind, which was really quite a mess. Um, you know, again, we had we had a, a wide array of on-prem disparate systems, all of which had unique passwords written on pieces of paper. It was it was truly um, a security nightmare. And so to come in and say, okay, I want to spend this amount of money, and that's the start. Um, that it, t- it took some time to kind of to kind of flip that switch and, and convert people into being believers. And I'll tell you that the, the demo really is where is where things kind of the light bulb went off. Right, describing this, it, it kind of came across like um, some sort of content delivery platform. When in reality, it was this it was this key sequence of of trust that is the door. To everything and, and once um, once I got a live demo in place I was able to kind of walk people through what happens um, then it all made sense and the reality the 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 hard reality is in the end after everything was done the the savings was significant but initially there were some checks that had to be written and, that, and that's always a barrier when you have the executive level so you mentioned Okta a couple times um... You know, I know you came from there, so you had some pretty steep knowledge in terms of what they do and what their value is, I assume. You know, I, because zero trust is such a buzzy word right now, you know, pre-COVID, I would have vendors come in my office all the time talking about how they solve the zero trust problem. And, um, you know, if if you implement their technology, you, you get most of the way there. Do you feel that implementing a technology alone gets you there. Um, I'm assuming you had to build a program that wrapped around the technology as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that, that, that's a very um, sharp and precise question. So, so putting something like Octane, and, and to be completely fair, I, I got no, I did come from there, but I, I got no price advantage whatsoever. I, I put Octa <laughs> against um, other IDP mm-hmm. um, providers and, um, and, and, and they won, they won the business. Um, but putting this in place is the start. The part that has to keep going is you need to ensure that each other provider that you bring in adheres to the core principles of security that you're trying to establish in your organization. For instance, we have vendors that come in that my minimum requirement generally is to have single sign-on by a SAML 2.0 or better. I would love to have it federated. I would love to have it follow lifecycle management and provisioning, other aspects of how you trust or don't trust any of your users. And the more of those boxes that are checked, the more viable that vendor is to me, right? Because they need to play in my sandbox of security. If someone says that we can't configure single sign-on or if they if quite often response is, well, do you want SSO because um, you don't want people to have to remember a second password? Like kind of philosophically, they're missing the point of security, right? The different password isn't the problem. It's how you move between DocuSign and Box and Okta and Salesforce seamlessly, but securely. If you're clicking into different things, entering different credentials, you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to write something down and stick it to your monitor Mm. or put it in your wallet. And that's when you've lost all your security. So it's got to be something that's seamless and friendly to the user, but still meets every box on the security Mm. officer side. That's where the trick is. Okay. So let me ask you this. I've heard from other CISOs that, 
zero trust within healthcare, which you're in, but specifically hospitals is more of a challenge than other verticals because, for example, they may have pieces of equipment that can't have anti, but can't have any security products installed on them whatsoever. So they think it's more challenging. If, given your approach, which identity is at the core, is that challenge real? Do you believe that it's more challenging for healthcare? It's challenging in the sense that there's there's an underlying notion that paper is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I can explain that a little further. When I when I first started, we had uh, myriad processes that all pivoted around an actual fax machine spitting out actual paper, which to me was, was like a bit like looking like an alien that sat in the room, right? like who uses a fax machine? Right. Um, and, and yet we had 30 of them. Uh, some people were faxing from one side of the office to another. It, it was, it was just, it was fantastic. And, and the notion that the building was secure, meaning you had to card swipe your way in and that healthcare thinks paper is secure is just pervasive Hmm. and the kind of interesting and ironic reality is even though we are cloud-based at Nijoni we've really reverted faxing into a digital platform right so like when we go from one EMR to another in many ways we're faxing between those but now it's just an electronic transaction Hmm. so there are some aspects of healthcare where the notion that security is a challenge I, I can see as being very real because how do you, how do you even imagine, you know, putting a multi-factor on a piece of paper that is face up on a table and you're looking at someone's medical record number or their date of birth or their medical condition, right? That's, that's completely insecure unless it remains in your facility. So as we mobilize a workforce and put them into homes and other disparate offices, um, we have to make sure that we're not using paper mm. in an effort to maintain security. And so there are some challenges. I think secondarily, there's a lot of, of, of healthcare, especially in hospital systems, that um, has always existed on-prem. Mm-hmm. And, and many of those are, are in-house systems you know, that have kind of a long legacy of being built from the ground up. And it's, it's, it's challenging to flip a switch and just go to the cloud. Whereas um, a lot of other different marketplaces um, don't have that kind of multi-decade legacy of we made this ourselves and we built it. And the only way to secure it was to have a, you know, a thumbprint reader on the wall for data center access. And right. so I, I do get the server side challenge that healthcare faces in, in, in a hospital environment for sure. Okay. You're a metrics guy, right? Yeah. How do you, so what metrics do you use to gauge the success of, of your zero trust program? Uh, for me, I got to tell you, I, I can pull all the reports that I want out of the systems, but ultimately there's, there's kind of two metrics. One is, are people using it, right? So when I put Octa in place or any competing product like that, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's difficult enough or if it's obstinate enough that People won't use it. And you can just see, you know, if I've got 900 users and I've got 612 logging in via the Opt Access app, then there's a problem, right? Because people are now manually putting passwords in. And it also means I've got applications that don't adhere to my minimum requirement of following an SSL pathway in, right? So let's say I have 
I don't know, uh, Adobe Acrobat in a non-enterprise platform, which mm -hmm. has its own standalone password. So I've got users that are just going directly into that. So for me, it's adoption. And, and currently we, we maintain 100% adoption at Nijoni. Um, and secondarily, it's how many applications do I have that can talk to each other successfully within the same identity access management platform. And other than two legacy EMRs that are, that are home built, that have their own standalone directory, uh, everything else adheres to uh, my security standard of staying within the um, identity access management ecosystem. And, and so that puts us at about 92% there for all, for everything across the board. Hmm. Sounds high. It, it, it was a real challenge. I got to tell you, I mean, the, the, the mess that I walked into a couple of years ago was incredible, yeah. but the good news is coming in late meant I had um, a lot of late stage cutting edge tools that were ready for market. Right. Um, yeah. I, I was not an early adopter of many things. Stuff was, was so well fleshed out and prepared. It was just a matter of, of being able to look high yeah. enough to say, okay, how do I want all this to work together? Whereas even if you look five years ago, you'd be hunting for something that even could work, let alone worked, you know, better or worse than something else. You were just trying to find the one that would even meet some of what you were looking for. So I do consider my timing kind of lucky there. It was, it was a big challenge even just. Well, who did, so this will be the last zero trust question, but so who, when doing that, who did you look to for guidance, right? Did, does Gartner have some sort of golden image for zero trust. I know NIST kind of has some model that really talks about hybrid. Did you talk to peers? What, like, what did you, where did you get your guidance on this? Or is it a program you came up with? It's a program I came up with, but I will tell you that I, I do, um, I, I do check myself with, with Gartner for sure. Um, you know, if I think something is good and I go there and they're lower left, then I know that I'm wrong. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's easy just to say, listen, just choose the upper right and, and go with that. But mm -hmm. there's a point where all the way up and to the right is, might not be the, the, the sharpest price point for you. And it may have features that, um, that don't necessarily work with your particular vertical. Um, also, I mean, you know, Gartner isn't perfect, right? And so if you look at where some other competitors land, they may land there because they have an offering that is similar, that's packaged, and it's not necessarily a true competitor so much, but they, they look at the volume of distribution of it, and that positions it sometimes inaccurately. But um, it, it is something I came up with. Um, I'm not going to say that I have anything that is completely unique and that no one else has done it, but um, I do think we've integrated things quite nicely here, um, and, and I'm very happy with our, our security service. Yeah, sounds like you did. So last question is more about you. Our audience always is interested in sort of career path type questions. So you've been, you know, out there for over 20 years, various IT roles, security roles, technical roles, business roles. What's next for you? If we only knew, right? <laughs> uh, no, that, that's a good question. I, um, at, at my very core, I, I enjoy solving problems. And there's a part of me that I've had to admit um, a number of years ago that I kind of like challenging and messy situations. Um, I've never been the kind of person who is interested in walking into a well-run shop and just don't mess it up, right? I, I really kind of enjoy 
the the sharp curve of the hockey stick where the right choices and the right timing can just ramp up um, business and improve things significantly. So I've I've spent a lot of time in the tech space. Um, I've been in and out of the healthcare space now on the provider side, and um, and both are interesting to me. Um, ultimately. Supporting end users in, in kind of an elegant and secure fashion is, is very, very interesting because you can make things elegant and you can make things secure and there's kind of a big, big gap in the middle. And finding that, that frictionless experience that makes both the security team happy and the end user happy is something that's, that's very compelling to me. Hmm. Where that takes me, I'm not sure, but, um, but I, I, I do enjoy fixing problems. Well said, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, congratulations on the Zero Trust program you've built. Sounds like Nizoni is uh, is really lucky to have you. So we appreciate your time and, and insight on the topic. You were the right man to talk to for sure. I know our listeners will benefit from, you know, your approach to Zero Trust. And as always, uh, listeners can hear more about this episode as well as hear other uh, interviews on our website, klogicsecurity.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.